the, the show has featured Rosie Fuentes, who's a, a Latina Mexican-American kid. She lives in suburban Texas with her mom, who's from rural Wisconsin, and her dad, who's mm. from Mexico City. And they're these mixed family. Fuentes family, abuelas calling! Yay! Awesome! <gasps> Tia! You are listening to episode 28, season 4 of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. Have you discovered Rosie's Rules on PBS yet? In this episode, Latina Mom of Two, psychology professor and executive producer of Rosie's Rules, Dr. Mariana Diaz Vianchak, shares with us her journey helping to create the show. Join us as we talk about bilingualism and the importance of representation in media. Plus, we'll talk about how she raised trilingual kids that are now using Spanish in their jobs and her tips for bilingual parenting. Así que no te lo pierdas. You're listening to the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast, where we empower moms raising bilingual kids, talk about growing up Hispanic and tradiciones, and celebrate motherhood. It's time to keep it real, learn tips and tricks from other moms like you, and start creating a legacy your abuela would be proud of. If you're a Latina mom or have a multicultural family like mine, then you're in the right place. I am your host, proud immigrant daughter, rock star wife, and mom to now six-year-old Victoria Grace, my legacy founder and cafecito lover, Danny Perez. Hola, hola. How are you? I hope that you're doing well. I hope that life is treating you kind. Welcome to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jenny Perez. So happy that you are joining me today. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Bienvenida o bienvenido al programa. Welcome to the show. I am so happy that you are tuning in. I am Jenny Perez. I am a Latina mom raising a multilingual daughter and happy to share with you tips and happy to be interviewing other Latina moms, change makers that, uh, may, that are making a difference in our little world over here. I have a few things to get off my checklist today, so bear with me for, for a minute or two. Uh, so first, I want to share with you that tomorrow at 9 a.m. on Instagram Live, I am partnering up with Little Dreamers Publishing. That is at Little Dreamers Publishing, and we are going to do a live Q&A there at 9 a.m. So if you're around in the morning, come, ch come check us out. They have amazing bilingual books that empower our little ones that talk about finances, that talk about uh, education, and just themes that normally you don't typically see in books. So I love these three ladies. They are doing amazing things, and uh, we're going to have a fun little live session there. I also want to share with you, because I don't want you to miss this giveaway, I have partnered up with Paint to Smile and the Cupcake Carriage, and we are giving one lucky winner, a Frida Kahlo paint kit. There are two paint kits, one for mom and daughter. If you have seen my uh, office pictures or if you've seen any of my reels, uh, my one of my paintings, the Frida painting that tends to appear on the background, that is one of the, the, the paintings that you'll get. Not that painting, but you get the kit to create your own Frida. Victoria has her own Frida and I have mine. Mine is like the Colombian Frida. 
um, that is just like me channeling like my my inner Frida, and I loved it. I I love this painting. It it hangs in my office, and I'm very proud of it. So uh, my friend at Paint to Smile is gonna gift two of these, and uh, I am gifting one Feel Free to Be You tote bag along with Who Was Frida Kahlo book for your child, and the cupcake carriage is going to be gifting. It's like a cookie decorating kit for you and your child, so you guys can decorate cookies, and it comes with the cookies. So uh, she's going to be shipping these. I'll be shipping my stuff. And uh, Paint to Smile will be shipping these. So this is for one lucky winner. Así que no te lo pierdas. We're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. And speaking of Hispanic Heritage Month, it is the last week for you to take advantage of the 50% off my online course, How to Raise a Bilingual Child. This is a self-guided course. And this is a course for parents that want to raise bilingual children whose kids either haven't been born yet, so the mommy's pregnant, or the child is up to six or seven years old, and they want tips on how to implement a language plan, understand what a language plan even is, how to get your family on board. I talk about how you can tune in and tap into your child's natural learning abilities, which is one of the one of the most empowering things that you can do as a parent, because this is not only going to help you tune in to their uh, learning abilities to help them uh, in language learning, but this also helps them in everyday learning. This is going to help them with math. This is going to help them with school. This is going to help them with their social skills, with communication. This is a parent's game changer. I am so proud of this course. I have a workbook that you follow along. I offer actual resources that you can click on for books, for music, for just just about everything that you can think of to raise a bilingual child. I am giving it to you in this course. These are all my tricks and this is not a one cookie cutter approach. So if people ask me, oh, what method do you use? What I tell parents, it's, it's not really a method because the method that I have created is one that works for you and your family. You as a parent, you as a family, you're going to create the method that works for you and your child. And that's why I can't tell you that this is like a method from fulana de tal or from egg psychologists. Yes, I read a lot. I interviewed a lot of language specialists and I provide a lot of this information for you. But really for you as a parent, it is the practical tips for you to take away to raise a bilingual child that you can implement into other areas of your life. I am so happy to to be sharing this course with you, but it is the last week for you to be able to take advantage of the 50% off. I also want to announce that I have partnered up with Spanish Sin Pena and I am going to be doing a three-part series with them for parents who want to raise bilingual children. These coaching sessions, these Q&As are totally free. We're going to have them in October, November, and December. And if you are part of the Spanish Sin Pena community, it is a wonderful community for you to be a part of, especially if you do not feel 100% secure or confident in your Spanish. They provide classes, they provide support, they provide uh, book clubs, they provide everything that you, that you need to feel supported in your own language learning journey. Because what happens is that if you're not confident with your Spanish, sometimes it's very difficult to be able to raise bilingual children if you don't feel conf confident and comfortable in your language. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to tackle the best of both worlds and they can help you with your Spanish and I can help give you you the tools to raise your children. So it is a win-win uh, situation and uh, I'm really happy to, to be able to share that with you. 
On today's show, I have an amazing Mexican-American Latina, Dr. Mariana diaz Vianchek. She is an NYU professor. She has obtained a PhD in psychology. Una mujer super inteligente. She is the former head of education and research for the Dora the Explorer brands. And she is a TEDx speaker. She is a brilliant woman and executive producer of Rosie's Rules. I'm so excited about this show. I'm so excited about this interview. Así que uh, espero que te guste y nada, I'll talk to you soon. Chao, chao. Mariana, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to talk about Rosie's Rules, this amazing new show on PBS and your role in this uh, show. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course. Thank you for having me today. So, uh, yes, I live in New York City. I live in Queens, New York. That's a super diverse neighborhood. My old neighborhood. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Well, you know then. It's the most diverse neighborhood probably in the world and with so many languages spoken. And I have two kids who were born and raised in in Queens. Uh, uh, So, yeah, my kids are proud Astorians and they're uh like many kids in Astoria they're multicultural Mm because their mom is Mexican because I'm Mexican Mexican American and their father is uh, Greek so they speak Spanish they speak Greek and they're completely grown up now so they're both in college they're very very proud of both their Greek heritage and their Mexican heritage and they do identify as Latinos which also makes me very proud uh And then that's my family life. I work, I'm a professional working mom, even though, again, as I said, my kids are out of the house now, but I've always worked. Uh, I work in kids' media. My background is in psychology. I I have a doctorate in psychology and I teach a class at NYU, which I really, really like. I love teaching. And I it's the, the, I guess the biggest challenge is to balance my professional life with my family life and just my own personal life. I think many moms can relate to that. Sure, sure. Now take us back because your kids are they're grown now, from my understanding. They're 19 and 21. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So take us back in time to when they were small and you were raising them. How did you make that decision that uh, you were going to raise them to be bilingual, trilingual? Yeah. How, how was that dynamic? Yes, the it was very intentional from, from the start that they would have a very rich cultural life with a Mexican background and a very rich life with a Greek background, which was a little easier because their father's family is around, their grandmother is around the block and the mm-hmm. uncle and aunt are in Long Island. So they were always surrounded by the Greek uh, culture. Mm-hmm. And so it was up to me to really infuse and, and give them the Mexican culture. So they got to experience a lot of my family too. I was fortunate enough that my family could visit. We visited mm-hmm. Mexico about once a year but also the language factor. So it was, for me, there was a, there was never a question. I knew that I had to talk to them in Spanish. I knew that it was up to me to, to teach them that, to read to them, to do things with them in Spanish, because it was mainly going to be coming from me, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're Spanish. And it's really nice when they, you know, they might resist it. At times they resisted it, especially, I would say, when they hit the, 
between teen years. They were mm-hmm. mostly speaking in English. But as we said, we're in a very culturally diverse neighborhood. So they were always very uh, exposed to the kids that speak multiple languages. I remember I telling my son, Dimitri, once I said, he came in, he said, you know what, Ma? This person, my friend, only speaks English. He only speaks one language. And I, I told him, I think it's more typical, like it's very more normal to speak one language over two. And he said, no, it's not. And then we went over the names of all the kids in his class and all the kids in his class spoke at least two languages. I, it was Wonderful. mind-blowing <laughs> to me from the Astoria, you know, it's the Astoria world, but not mm-hmm. every world is like that. So right. I'm a big professionally and as a mom, I'm a huge promoter of bilingualism. Bilingualism opens doors. It's a superpower in more than one way. Just not only you speak another language, two languages or more, but it opens up many other skills and abilities for the kid. Was there any point when they were young, did you speak English in the house at all or not? Uh, yeah, well, the, the father and I spoke English at home um, as a common language. So I learned a good amount of Greek and he learned a good amount of Spanish. So we would still have interactions in those languages. And also with the Greek grandmother, like Greek was favored. So I, I did uh, my due diligence on that front. But for me, there were, you know, I spoke to them in Spanish a lot when they were babies. And mm-hmm. as soon as they started school, so in the preschool years, when when the English started really consolidating and, and they picked English as their language of choice, I do have to confess that I sw- like switched a little more heavily to English because it was mm-hmm. just easier. But what I think what happened in the in the end was that I select I chose certain situations that would happen in Spanish. Mm. So that is something that I've incorporated into when I give talks about bilingualism and promoting mm-hmm. Spanish. I say I give that as advice, and there are certain things that can continue happening in Spanish. For instance, when they were little, I used to bathe them in the bathtub, and all that would happen in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And there's many like dinner can happen in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to overload the effort of speaking Spanish to kids who, uh, you know, when they're approaching ten and so, or even younger or older, they might not want to speak it. Well, there's certain situations that are going to happen in Spanish. And then they get used to the fact that that happens. And for the older kids, I always give these uh, these pieces of advice because it really works. If they want to ask for something from me, you have to ask in Spanish. I don't <laughs> understand Spanish. So if you want a dollar for ice cream, pregúntame en español. Otherwise, I don't understand. And that's actually very, very good because then they really want the dollar. So they're right, all- right. So that, that that's a good tip. Uh, was there any anything that you can remember that helped you during those years in terms of raising your children uh, trilingually? Uh, was there anything as far as books that you read or any resources or any books that you read to them that you yeah. can uh, recommend? I was actually the first thing that came to mind as you were starting to ask the question was music. Mm-hmm. So, and I have to say, music still continues to have a huge mm-hmm. impact linguistically in both of my kids, even at mm-hmm. this age. So my younger son really, really likes to hear reggaeton and just Latino music in general. And, and both of them memorize the whole, all the lyrics. So it's impressive to hear them sing in Spanish because they sing with whatever accent, because sometimes the accent might be not Mexican. So if the performer is Dominican, Puerto Rican, 
they they imitate the accent like to perfection. So that's that's really neat, and and they do they're able to make those generalizations of how the language is used in the song to what the language actually means. So they can use that language. Um, the the younger one has found a job where he uses a lot of Spanish, so he has been polishing his grown up Spanish professionally mm-hmm. a lot lately. Which is one of the other things that I tell parents when they're uncertain about speaking Spanish at home. I'm like. In addition to to speaking both languages in the future, it opens opportunities, including yes. job opportunities. Yes. My son's first job, he's 19, he just got his first internship, but he uses Spanish a lot in his internship. Mm-hmm. So just something to keep in mind. So in terms of books, um, I used to do a lot of books in English and Spanish. So the the Good Night Moon book, for instance, mm-hmm. comes to mind. So I used to, to read it in English and mm-hmm. Spanish. I had both versions. So I had both versions for a lot of things also content in the form of books or shows that or even games that's bilingual that's presented in a bilingual form so you it's mm-hmm. not that you have to switch completely the language right. off the platform or the show but the content itself is in english and spanish i see more shows like that now mm-hmm. that's a, a good way I think to support, to just expose them to the fact that there's a lot of bilingual people and that it is a good thing to have. Uh, but I would say probably songs in Spanish, even like lullabies, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. songs that even to this day they remember from me singing those songs to them and then later with them. That's that's a good thing. Mariana, thank you so much for sharing those tips. Uh, we're going to come right up and uh, talk about Rosie's Rules. Are you a parent wanting to raise a bilingual child que hable español? Well, I have a freebie just for you. Simply go to thelatinamomlegacy.com to download your free 20-page How to Raise a Bilingual Child guide with personal tips, toy recommendations, and much more. Remember, your journey doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to start somewhere. That's thelatinamomlegacy.com. We are back and let's talk a little bit about Rosie's Rules and your background and what led you to be the executive producer for this show. Tell us a little bit about about that journey of yours. Yes, it's an interesting journey. Every journey is very interesting. I came to the U.S., to New York, to go to graduate school and get a degree in psychology and advanced degree. And then I always was really interested in, in the practical applied applications of psychology. Mm-hmm. And so I looked for a field and I looked for work where I could apply the concepts of psychology in a practical way. So from early on in my in my doctorate, when I was working and studying, I was doing research, just applied research for, for a marketing firm. And that mm-hmm. and, and we collaborated a lot with, with media clients that were developing content. So I was already aware of, of, of those applications. And then it's when an opportunity opened up at McJr in the research department of Dora the Explorer. That was my first job in media. So then I started that job and it was just incredible to see what I could do just by voicing the voices of children, because that's what we did. We talked to kids and then mm-hmm. we incorporated their feedback into what later became the show. That's process is called formative research. So I was in charge of that for the Dora the Explorer franchise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just taking the word of kids and, and putting it in the show was wow. always a way to empower them. I, I used to say kids are the producers of the show because they're giving us all this information and we're sure. 
translating it into into what becomes a content that's targeting them. So that's why the shows that incorporate formative research and Rosie does that uh, are so great quality. So I stayed in, in, in that production for many years. And then when that ended, I wanted to stay in this in this profession. So I started a consulting firm doing uh, educational consulting for media products for kids, particularly for little kids. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and slowly but steadily, I started also looking into matters of identity, diversity, equity, and representation. I've always been interested in identity and how it's very fluid and how it changes over time. So that was sort of on a parallel track for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always looked into my own identity when I came here, I was exclusively Mexican. I did not identify as Latina. Like that term just didn't resonate with me. And it was over the years that I started learning more about what it could potentially mean to be Latina. And I started folding in my Mexican identity into this broader Latina identity. And that was a whole journey. And then I was very lucky because I was invited to give a TED talk, TEDx uh, through NYU. And that was on on roots and then Mm -hmm. i really took a deep dive into my own journey in identifying as as latina as as a u.s latina so with that sort of mindset i was also very interested from really early on in the way that latino characters were being portrayed on tv and the fact that the diversity of the Latino community was not very visible. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, kick the door open in Latino representation in, in kids TV for sure. But there was there was also for me, it was like, there are so many dif- Latinos look and sound so different because they come from so different countries and the countries that they come from have other cultures. And there's a culture that's a mix of the indigenous cultures with the Spaniard culture that results in the mestizo culture. So all these considerations became really relevant and interesting and and fascinating to me. So then I started looking into that. And in the meanwhile, in the last, say the last five years or so, there has been much more attention in children's media everywhere, but particularly in kids' TV to authentic representations. And just to make sure that the products that creators and producers are putting in front of kids really show that diversity that all kids are reflected not only one kid that right. looks a certain way or sounds a certain way but all children so there's there's that uh effort in in terms of of the, the producing companies the, the people that are creating this content and then they started coming to me when it came to latino mm-hmm. representation i was teaming up with experts from with other backgrounds with african-american backgrounds for instance mm-hmm. partners that we we work together on many projects, informing content from those two perspectives in particular, right? And then that became, again, that that's, was always an interest of mine, and it became my passion to do two things, to represent all kids and families in, on the screen mm-hmm. and to rep- represent them other good lights. You know, there's, there's sure. you know, kids, African-American kids, kids with disability, all kids can be a protagonist in a story, and they all have interesting stories and interesting families and from there stems the other aspect of my passion which is who are telling these stories so mm-hmm. the people telling the stories have to also be a creative a creative team of diverse people 
Right. And that's the only way to achieve that authenticity. From there stems a conversation about Rosie, because that's my, my collaboration in Rosie is the fruition of sort of putting together everything that I'm telling you through an actual product, which is Rosie's rules that I'm here to talk about. That, that's absolutely amazing. Let's talk a little bit about numbers because I like numbers and I like stats because I think stats and numbers give a realness to terms and it's not just sure representation matters. What is the Hispanic population of children in the U.S. right now? Yeah, the, the under the under 18 population is one in every four kids is Latino. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to repeat that one in every four kids. Let, let that sink in for a little yeah. bit. There are states like Texas and New York and California that have up to 40 to 50% of kids under 18 are, are Latino Hispanic. Nationwide, it is one in four, but in some states, it goes up to almost half of the kids. So that's a, an impressive stat. What are some of the challenges that these children face in terms of not having that representation in yeah. terms of lack of resources. What are they facing nowadays? The, the representation is being addressed. So we're on, a, on the path towards representing more and more kids, both from the ethnic racial perspective to the physical and cognitive ability perspective, all sorts of things that form the identity of who a child is. So one of the challenges of not seeing yourself represented on screen is that Screen is a reflection of society. So mm -hmm. when you don't see yourself or someone like you in, in media, your societal group is not reflected. So it's almost mm -hmm. like as if you don't exist. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important for kids to, to see themselves and, and characters that are like them in aspirational characters, obviously, not only you know the other characters, but like the main characters the influential characters, because in that way, that in, that affects their self-esteem and helps their identity development and helps them uncover who they want to be or who they might want to be in the future. These diverse examples of diversity enrich life and expose these, the, all the children to things that they might not see in their everyday lives, in their everyday worlds, like places to travel or songs to sing or foods to enjoy that they might never see. And of course, Seeing these similarities and differences promotes empathy. Because I am like this, and I'm different from you, but we're both human, and we both have similarities and differences. And getting to understand that also promotes understanding, tolerance, and celebrating differences, and just overall better a better world for everybody. Let's talk about Rosie's Rules. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the show. Mm -hmm. and who it's for who who does it speak to yes the show was re created by jen hamber who is a very experienced emmy winning writer for kids content and the series is inspired by stories with her own kids and the fact that when they were rosie sage which is five years old they were asking all these questions about how the world works and not only they were asking the questions about how the world works but also they were coming up with explanations and their own little theories about how mm -hmm. the world works. So Rosie is that child who's curious, but he, she's also creative in the way that she 
comes up with these answers. And those sometimes wacky answers and approaches to, to how things work are Rosie's rules. So the, the show has features Rosie Fuentes, who's a, a Latina Mexican-American kid. She lives in suburban Texas with her mom, who's from rural Wisconsin, and her dad, who's mm. from Mexico City. And they're these mixed family. And, and then they together they have Crystal, who's the mom's biological child from an earlier marriage, and then Rosie and Iggy, who are the kids. And together they're the, the core Fuentes family. Fuentes family, abuela's calling. Yay! Awesome. Tia. <gasps> Hi. 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 We're here for abuela's fiesta. Feliz cumpleaños. Happy birthday. Gracias, familia. Thank you for my lovely birthday card, Crystal. You're welcome. ¿Y qué es esto? Open it, abuela. Ábrelo. Oh, wow! Oh. <laughs> I sent you a birthday party, so now we can celebrate together! Yay! Yay! ¡Qué bonito cumpleaños! Te quiero, Rosalía! I love you too, abuela. Rosie's rule. There's always a way to celebrate with the people you love, even if you're far away. <laughs> <laughs> they're bringing into the family lifestyle both the mom's heritage and the father's heritage and you can see a lot of mexican little things infused in the home which sort of it resonates with me a lot because i i i so you always say in a mexican home everybody has a different home right but not always you see an overload of mexican elements in a, in a in a family where a parent is mexican especially the other parent is not mexican so it was just very intentional, the, the, the amount of detail that we put into these signs and seeing just the certain elements, like you see an alebrije, you see a, a little pillow with a textile design, you see a molcajete in the kitchen or a tortilla basket. But it's like the way that it, it you would see it in my own home, for instance. Right. Right? So that was important. Not like a souvenir shop. <laughs> not like a, you, not like a souvenir shop, just like a regular home with parents from different places and kids who are bicultural, multicultural. So then the show is a sitcom for families, I would say, that it's a mm -hmm. comedy. We we always talk about the, the series having three key ingredients, which are comedy, mm -hmm. culture, which I spoke a little bit about, and also what we call the curriculum, which is the educational component of things. So okay. comedy comes through the fact that Rosie is just so funny. She's hilarious. <laughs> She has, she has her cousin, Javi. She has her gatita that's a chubby little cat who's so funny. And the way that all these characters interact with each other is very sitcom-y, but it's also very comical. So I can assure you people, kids and their parents, they're all, it's, everybody's going to laugh with the show. But the good thing is that they're also going to be learning because all these questioning how the world around her works is a, a, the door to presenting the actual information of how the world works, right? So we have a social studies curriculum or plan of studies, if you want, that covers um, multiple questions in, in about social studies, economics, uh, civics, government, 
we, we talk about how the mill works, like all the different uh, things around her that have a social mm-hmm. component that people are like social studies for preschoolers. And you're like, yeah, social studies is all around that. Like there's a calendar that explains to you what was yesterday, today and tomorrow. That's social studies. There is a getting a dollar for ice cream and getting a quarter in change. Like that's social studies. There's social studies everywhere. So it's also a celebration of that social world around them. Uh, and then there's a window to learning all those things through her questioning and explaining the world. So there's there you have the comedy and the culture and then I mean and, and the curriculum. And then of course we have culture. One other element in culture that's important, that's the grandma, Abuela. Mm-hmm. She lives in Mexico City. And mm-hmm. Rosie has a video call with her on every episode. I love that. She <laughs> just needs to call her. Where does that come from? It's like my personal, like, no, art. Yes, absolutely. Personal life. Everybody absolutely. who came from somewhere, who still has family in that mm-hmm. somewhere, will connect with them remotely via a tablet, you know? And that's how Rosie connects with her abuela, sometimes on the phone as well. And she just has these little moments with abuela that that really show uh, very realistically the way that these children are communicating and Mm -hmm. connecting at an emotional level even with their grandparents and families. But it also provides a little mini window into Mexico City. That might be a world, a new world for a bunch of, kids and families right so abuela is always on the move she's doing something interesting all the time from like hiking like like a lot of our grandmothers and moms yeah right there's right we didn't want to like even the stereotype of of grandmas being like you know not active we have an abuela that's very active that's always out and about that has her her friends her friends are actually inspired by my childhood friends like i sent the designers a picture of my two friends their names are Vero and Moni, but we call them Vero and Lily in the store in the in the series. But they're actually inspired by my my real friends. So Abuela has a real social life. She's always out and about. She's funny. She does her toes. Like it's just very very funny. And a window into Mexico City. We see a lot about, about Mexico City. So obviously, as someone who grew up in Mexico City, for me, it was important to us to show many different things about Mexico City because mm-hmm. people might not know that it's a very very cosmopolitan large modern city with amazing buildings and old buildings too so we show all of that we show the traditional historic aspect of the city we also show the very super modern so the script coordinator is from Mexico the production coordinator is from Mexico so just making sure that the people backing up the stories the designs animation the music are either Mexican or from Mexican descent is going to result in elevating your content and making it really authentic. It, it definitely makes it authentic and, and real. What age group would you say this uh, this show is geared for? Yeah, the show targets uh, preschoolers from ages two to six. What was your specific role in, in this production? Like, do they consult you? Like you said, you were working with the children. Do they show you the script? And Yeah, yeah. I came in as a, as a, as a advisor for culture and language. But really early on, we discovered that we needed to do more with this collaboration because I have a very strong background in production. Mm-hmm. So that's how I became executive producer. Because And now I have an eye on... I wouldn't say everything, but on a, on, on a lot of things. So I read scripts, I give notes. I am there from the the origin of the stories. We have a conversation with 
Jen uh, with me and the head of research who's also liaises with the education person. So we build this from the time that the stories are being like developed. I'm there, I read the scripts, I look at the designs, all the designs, I look at all the, I look at animation in multiple phases of, of, of development to give notes. And I also am very involved with music yeah your, your hands are everywhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically yeah that's yeah. great that's great yeah. where can my listeners watch the show well exciting rosie's rules will be premiere in nationwide on monday october 3rd and it's going to be on pbs stations so the local stations and pbs kids that would be 24 7 and on PBS Kids digital platforms, which also reminds me that there is a digital component. So the show is going to air where I told you, but there's also digital content that's available on the PBS Kids digital platform. There's four games that are gorgeous and so great. And then there's also some supplemental activities and worksheets and just educational Mm -hmm. materials of sorts as well. Yeah. And also the show is also available in Espanol. Yes, all the content. So yes, the show is bilingual. You know, when you watch it in English, it has a lot of Spanish. We have wonderful catchphrases that happen in Spanish every single time with the interactions with papa, with the interactions with abuela. That happens in Spanish and it's supported by the context. So nobody will miss anything. And then the dubbed version, the the version in Spanish mirrors that. So there's some of the information happens in English and the Spanish version. So oh, I love that. <laughs> it's just the mirror. And the same happens with the digital games. They're- the games, I will say, are, are fantastic. I say it because I know my daughter's a big fan of Alma's Way. Just yesterday, she was playing uh, some of the games online. So if it's similar to, if it's going to be similar, then yes. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. they, they will mm-hmm. love it. And where can my listeners uh, find the show on social media? Yes, it's a Rosie's Rules HQ. Wonderful. There you have it. Mariana, thank you so much for being on. I can't wait for you to watch the show if you're listening. And uh, and that's it. Thank you so much thank for being on. Thank you so much on. for having me. I love talking about Rosie and have a great weekend. Although we didn't get to our fast round of questions, Mariana shares with us her passion of bilingualism that extends beyond raising multilingual children proud of their roots. Rosie's Rules reflects this passion and provides multicultural and bilingual families representation, a sense of belonging, and yes, pride to be part of a larger community, a diverse one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. Como siempre, mil gracias. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Latina Mom Legacy or at mi legacy, spelled M-I-L-E-G-A-S-I. You can also sign up for La Lista and stay up to date with everything that's going on by simply clicking on the show notes in your podcast platform or visit thelatinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. You'll also find links to today's recommendations and show special. Finally, want to support this podcast? The best way to show your support is to write a review. Reviews are a way the podcast can get visibility and empower other moms like you to connect, create, and carry on our Latinx heritage. Un beso, un abrazo, y hasta la próxima. Ciao, ciao. What do you want your legacy to be?